0: Hi everyone, it's Aliza Licht here, your host, and I'm so thrilled to share that my new book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception, is out now. I hope you'll pick up a copy because personal branding is for everyone. It's for the new graduate starting out, the middle manager looking to level up, the executive who wants to be a thought leader, the entrepreneur starting from scratch. It's for anyone who wants to pivot or transition into something new. Because having a strong personal brand means that your name gets dropped in rooms you're not in and that you're thought of for opportunities that other people haven't even heard of yet. So pick up a copy and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, this is Aliza Licht, and this is Leave Your Mark, the podcast, where I brew fresh career advice with some of my most inspiring and successful friends. It's professional advice that you can action immediately, whether you're just starting out in your career or well on your way. With a massive to-do list and a large cup of coffee, I promise that you can get it all done and still have time to post about it. Okay everyone is in for a really special treat. And I am sure you are following this person. And if you're not immediately hit follow, Adam Rose is an actor, a writer, a director with an enormous digital footprint with over 4 million followers, probably more today. You have so many different talents that you show off on TikTok and Instagram, but I will say you are hysterically funny You have partnered with brands like Amazon, Comcast, Royal Caribbean, Toyota, many more. And on the acting side, this is the crazy part. Like everyone listening, you might think like, oh, he's a TikTok star. No, he's a full-blown actor with over 55 credits. He's directed, he's produced. Adam is currently recurring on NBC's New Amsterdam. And before that, he starred in Netflix comedy series, Merry, Happy, Whatever. And then you were also on Carol's Second Act and Ellie's Finest, and you've had over 30 other TV show credits. And on the film side, you've worked with directors such as Noah Baumbach, Jason Reitman, Kenneth Lonergan. And as a writer, you sold your first pilot, Pissed, Battle of the Name, to Warner Brothers and your short film, Queen, which you wrote and directed, screened at over 50 film festivals and won several awards. So Adam, Literally, I know you're like a social media star now, but your entire life is like in another planet. So you've already experienced so much. And now this is like a whole different world.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, first of all, that was lovely. Thank you so much, Elisa. <laughs> it's so nice to see you.
0: So nice to see you too.
1: Thank you for having me on your show. Um, yeah, I've lived a, a couple lives now and I, I have some more to go, I feel like. I've definitely been entrenched in the traditional space of entertainment. And as soon as social media started to become prevalent, whatever it was, maybe 10 years ago, probably a little bit more now, I started to dabble in there. But, yeah, in the last couple of years, it really took over my life.
0: Oh, my God. Well, we have to back up just a second because… I always like to give background a little bit first because people know the public you, but they don't know maybe the behind the scenes you. So you were born in Israel originally, you moved here with your whole family to New York City when you were two, which basically means you're a New Yorker essentially, right? Yeah. Your mom was an opera singer, so why are you not singing on TikTok?
1: That's a good question. I do sing. Like I grew up doing musical theater. Yeah. You know, I play the piano and I play the ukulele and guitar and stuff. Uh. I often think, and maybe by the time this comes out, I will have posted, you know, something. Uh, it's funny because on that.
0: I obviously made an assumption that you can sing, right? Just because your mom is an opera singer doesn't mean you actually can sing. But I assumed True. that you could. I mean, you went to LaGuardia High School, which is like I did the dream for performing arts for people who are maybe not from New York. Super hard to get into that school. What did you have to do to get into that school?
1: If I remember correctly, there's a whole audition process, depending on what uh, department you want to go for. So they have acting, singing, dancing, instrumental, art. And I believe now they also have what's called studio, which is sort of like behind the scenes stuff. People who want to be like, you know, lighting or stage managers, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so the audition process, you had to do a monologue. There was like several levels that you had to go through. Very competitive. Uh, I'm sure some people are like, it's all political, which maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But both my brothers went there also. So maybe that gave me a little leg up. I don't know. Are you the youngest? The youngest. Yeah. Got it.
0: Are there any classmates that you went to school with that we would know today?
1: I don't know about in my class, literally, but going... To the school at the same time as me, were like Nicki Minaj. Um, Aquafina was in my grade, and we were friends in high school. We're still friendly. What's up, Aquafina? If you're seeing this, how you doing? <laughs> um, she was actually an instrumental major. Uh, who else? Ansel Elgort went yeah, there. I know Sophie. Uh, yeah, Tim- Timothy Chalamet.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I feel like some others that I'm missing probably, but That's yeah, a lot so of people have fun. gone to that school. Yeah. yeah. So
0: you got your first acting job at nine years old. Yes. Which is insane. Yes. And your debut, yeah. which is even crazier, was opposite Robin Williams and Julie Kavner and Woody Allen's deconstructing Harry. Yeah. That's yeah. quite a way it, to start a career, Adam. How did that go down?
1: yeah what a way to start it's kind of crazy (laughs) um i had a a manager that was sending me and my brother out on auditions which happened because my brother who was like strikingly good looking still is strikingly good looking but when he was a teenager especially it looked like a young Fabio or something. And anyway, he got like picked up off the street by a producer saying to come to an audition. He went to the audition. he didn't get it. Someone in our building was like, "Hey, I know a talent manager. You guys could uh, meet them maybe. And I was like, "Oh, let me go, let me go. you know I just want to see what they do there. And I went and I wouldn't shut up, and the manager ended up signing both of us to a four year contract. And we just started going on auditions. And one of the auditions was for Deconstructing Harry, this Woody Allen movie. I was actually going in to play Woody Allen's son. And I went in again to read with Woody. And then I ended up booking a little bit of a smaller role playing Robin Williams' son, which at the time, like, I didn't even know who Woody Allen was, but I knew who Robin Williams was. And I was very (laughs) excited about that. Yeah.
0: That is so cool. So your millions of fans on TikTok are very familiar with your incredible dancing talent. I have many questions about this later on, but do they even know that like at age 15, you were the youngest person to ever teach dance at the renowned Broadway Dance Center in New York, which is like insane. Like people don't know. They only know you now.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of the appeal, actually. Like, I feel like if I was just sort of like a a nerdy white guy who is a hip hop dancer, like professionally at some point, (laughs) it would not be quite as, I don't know, shocking or notable or anything. But I think because there's sort of a uh, juxtaposition between the way I look, like especially in my cardigan, and then the way I dance, it excites people. (laughs)
0: Yeah, for sure. But let's talk about your IMDb for a second, which is one of my favorite sites to go on, by the way.
1: Same, same, same. Um,
0: So, I mean, you've been on The Sopranos, you've been on Veronica Mars, you've been on Santa Clarita Diet, you've been on Supernatural, you've worked with people like Matthew Broderick, Matt Damon, Mark Ruffalo, Anna Paquin. You've had so many experiences. So my question is, do you most identify as a Hollywood actor or do you most identify as a TikTok star? Because I feel like they're not the same.
1: Oh man, it sounds like you are dictating my inner turmoil right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Um, I've been known to be a good therapist. Let's talk it out. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. No, it's something that I, I guess sometimes think about slash lose sleep over. No, I I would say (laughs) that I've always known ever since social media became, again, as prevalent as it is, that it was going to play a big role in the entertainment industry, right? It just has always made sense to me. And as an actor, we are often at the whims of gatekeepers and decision makers. Uh, It's completely out of our control. Now, I've been lucky enough to work for, man, like 25 years or something like that consistently, which is amazing and fortunate. But still, every time you finish a job, you have no idea when that next job is coming. And there is a certain amount of, you know, I'm kind of an anxious person. Sometimes I've been known to have a little bit of anxiety. And so that doesn't help not knowing when, you know, when you're going to be working again. So I've always felt that social media would provide a certain amount of autonomy that goes really well with an acting career. And of course, you know, everybody wants to be able to uh, cultivate an audience, right? Because if you can cultivate an audience, then you can bring that audience with you everywhere and show them everything you do. And there's value in that. So it's always been very important to me ever since... You know, I had the first few subscribers on YouTube, you know, like 12 people watching my vlog that I would spend hours and hours making and, and nobody would see, um, except for those 12 people. I loved those 12 people. And now I love, you know, the 4 million plus people that there are. It always starts small. And if you can build an audience, you can really just take it with you everywhere. And so as an actor, I think it's incredibly valuable.
0: I agree. And I think you were extremely forward thinking because I remember. So I started on social at DKNY. I created an anonymous character called DKNY PR Girl back in 2009. Oh, and which... people thought, well, people thought I was crazy and wasting my time. But more than that, because so in my day job, I was doing PR for Donna Karen and DKNY. So I was doing celebrity dressing and working on all the oh. And celebrities were very, snobbish about social media. Like, why would they do that? They already are famous. And there was this divide between the people who saw the future, like you, and the people who were like, I don't need to do that. Like, I'm Julia Roberts, or I'm whoever, I, I don't need to do that. And then the tides changed. And now we see them all like trying to make it on TikTok. And you see someone who's like, a super A-lister Oscar winning actress with like 150,000 followers on TikTok because they started last week. It's kind of funny.
1: Yeah. I mean, I always say there's a reason why The Rock is the highest paid actor in the world.
0: Which is what? And I know you like swear by him. We'll talk about him later, but I know you have a thing with him.
1: I love The Rock. Look, I don't think even The Rock would say he's the best actor in the world, but... He's got 200 million people in his pocket at all times. You know what I mean? Following him on Instagram and I'm one of them and I will watch whatever he puts out and I will drink whatever he tells me to drink. And I, cause I love the guy. And I think that there is something to be said about that. You know, there's a reason why the rock is the highest paid actor in the world. And it's because he carries a ton of weight with him. Literally and figuratively. For instance, I think the most viewed television shows on TV right now probably get a few million people watching them. Well, like me and many other of my peers and creators are getting that many viewers a day or a week. You know, you start to reevaluate where in the food chain you kind of have stuck yourself as a result of that audience that you've built.
0: Do you feel that your social presence has actually helped your acting job presence? Do you feel like it's like a two-way street?
1: I have nothing to point to specifically where I can draw a straight line, but I can tell you this. Now when I do a show, the social team for the network will reach out to me and they'll say, Hey, can we talk about, you know, some posts for the show for when and you're then on? You'll
0: send them your rate <laughs> for social media. Well,
1: <laughs> there's a little mutual benefit here. But yeah. I think just the fact that that is seen as valuable in the whole process and in the whole equation of getting a show out to the masses. It speaks volumes. You know, that did not happen before. And, you know, like you said, I've been on many TV shows, but only in the last, (laughs) only in the last year have I started to uh, be reached out to by various social teams to try and push the show on my platforms.
0: I love it. I mean, listen, I remember in like 2009, 2010, I was live tweeting Gossip Girl. And then later on, I was live tweeting Scandal. And that's how I became friends with Kerry Washington and Chanda Rhymes and the whole cast, because I was literally hosting their Twitter every Thursday night. That's and, amazing. Thank you. But the point is that Twitter party that was happening around Scandal on Thursday night made the show what it is because it was not necessarily going to be that popular without these thousands of people tweeting about the show every Thursday night. And think about, it, like, watching it live. Like, who watches anything live?
1: Uh Very rarely these days. Only, like, huge sporting events. Exactly. Or, you know, exactly. award shows and stuff. So that's amazing.
0: You did this interview that I actually pulled the quote because... <laughs>
1: I'm terrified.
0: No, don't be terrified. So this was in January, 2020. Okay. So we're in March, 2022 right now. And this is what you said to the person interviewing you. You said, I have a prediction. I think TikTok in the next year, maybe two years, but probably in the next year, is going to become a hell of a lot more widespread. I think it stands to maybe take some attention away from Instagram, potentially, I could just go on and on about why. But recently, I've just been nerding out on TikTok. I've made a few videos. I actually spent some of my winter vacation just kind of spending too many hours scrolling on the For You page on TikTok. And I've made some of my own videos and I'm having a blast. I think it's going to be kind of revolutionary. I mean, it already is. but I think it's going to be a lot more mainstream in the coming years. Like, hello, hello, psychic person. You should reach out. This was in... um. What was that publication talking? Oh,
1: talk nerdy to me.
0: Yeah. You you should just reach out into that interview and be like, so like I was saying for my followers later, (laughs) that's crazy. What made you feel that it was going to be so sticky?
1: I felt how sticky it was to me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like
0: I I am addicted to there.
1: I'm addicted to it. Like, this is going to just ruin attention spans across the world. (laughs)
0: 100%. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think that's uh, an amazing quote.
1: Yeah. You just know, you know, I probably was not the first person to be saying that. But it is funny that I said that before any of my actual success on the app happened. I just knew that what was novel about it was the fact that you could have zero followers and post a video and that video could get a million views if it was compelling or engaging or shareable or what have you, and you're fortunate enough for TikTok to kind of push it to the right audience at the right time. And there was just no other platform where that was even remotely possible. And I don't really know if that's possible on any other platform today. Still, no, I mean, we have no. reels and we have shorts, and those get pushed to audiences that don't follow you. But I really don't think the organic reach is the same on any other platform other than TikTok. And so that was very clear to me in 2020 when I first popped on there. And then obviously became more and more clear at, <laughs> after I went viral the first time and then just like kept going viral and growing an audience. And it literally just took over my life.
0: Yeah. Incredible, actually incredible. And I think that everyone who built their audience on Instagram and I'm sure you know people that were like, I'm not starting another platform. I'm on Instagram. I can't deal. I still
1: know people like that. I (laughs) still know people like that who are like, I don't know if it's for me. Like, isn't that just like where people dance? I'm like, you still think it's just where people dance? Like, and it doesn't help that when they, you know, they see me posting dance videos, but that is still sort of the uh, stigma that TikTok carries with it. And I think it's just so clear at this point that it is, so widespread and so far reaching, you know, every niche has content for every single little interest you might have, you know, and now they're introducing longer videos. I think now my prediction is they take a chunk out of YouTube, you know, before it was, they're going to take a chunk out of Instagram, which I think they did. I think it's pretty 100%. clear. they percent
0: Instagram knows that too.
1: Yeah, which is why they came out with Reels. And now YouTube came out with Shorts. And I think it's because they also see the writing on the wall, which is that TikTok is going to take a little chunk out of YouTube.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cra- I mean, I wish they would just all combine into one, so we only had to post in one place. That would be really lovely.
1: I know. I feel like the platforms will never allow someone to create like its own coot suite type thing where you can just <laughs> like totally. post it. To- post to everywhere at the same time. Like we will totally. never let that happen.
0: Totally. We need to talk about the cardigan. We need, to, yeah. we need to talk about it. So obviously, how long have you owned a blue cardigan? Where did it come from? The people need to know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I wish there was like some really special story to this, but here's the actual story is it was my brother's cardigan. And my brother handed it down to me years ago. And I stuck it in my closet because I'm like, when am I gonna wear this? Like <laughs> and it was just kind of hanging in my closet and that winter of 2020, 2019. It was cold. 2020,
0: it was cold. You needed a card again?
1: <laughs> It was a little chilly in my house, you know, as it gets. Got a little draft in the house, you know what I mean? And so when I'm drinking my coffee in the morning, I would like grab a sweatshirt or something, but sometimes sweatshirts are dirty. So you grab a cardigan because, you know, yeah, a cardigan, I can maybe flip the collar up a little bit, get comfy and cozy. And I would just like drink my coffee and my cardigan. And then I would get an idea for a video and I'd be like, well, let me just, for me in the beginning, especially it was all about speed. Like I just like, if I came up with an idea, I need to shoot it right now. And so I would just get up and I'd be in my pajamas basically plus a cardigan and I would make a video. And I did that a few times and then one of the videos that I made was the alternative woe challenge. And the alternative woe challenge was a comedy parody TikTok dance that was sort of lampooning this move called the woe that was in every single dance at the time. And I made a sound to it, the flow, the crow, the no went very, very viral, 20 million views or something, tens of thousands of people recreating the dance, doing the dance, celebrities, mascots, news anchors, all sorts of stuff. And I was like, wow, I really want people to know that that was me when I make my next video. (laughs) So I was like, let me wear the cardigan again. And so I wore it again, and then I wore it again. And then I think one video, I didn't wear it, and people got very upset. (laughs) They were like, where is the blue cardigan, and who is this burgundy sweatshirt guy? And uh, I deleted that video. (laughs) And I never looked
0: back. Wait, so can you still buy that cardigan, or is there just like one?
1: So... There is only one hero cardigan. First off, I looked on every secondhand website, impossible to find, to find the exact cardigan. I reached out to the company that makes this cardigan, a very well-known company and traded many emails with them where they said, look, we stopped making that years ago. (laughs) We looked in our warehouse. We don't have any in our warehouse. Here's our website order whatever you want. We'll send it to you for free, but we don't have that cardigan. Oh my God. How <laughs> dumb.
0: I don't know what brand this is, but they are the dumbest brand in the entire world. Well, <laughs> I mean, how hard is it to make your cardigan?
1: They still make cardigans. They just don't make this cardigan anymore. Oh my and God. I can't. Yeah. And so I'm currently in the process of creating Starting a my knitting own. company. <laughs> yeah exactly I'm learning how to knit is the point no (laughs) I'm in the process of I've never come out with merch or anything like that I'm not big on merch generally speaking but I'm creating a line of cardigans
0: yeah well that would make a hell of a lot of sense but I just don't understand I mean I feel like there's some like PR person in this company that just was like we don't do that anymore I mean At Donna Karen, we would get a request for like a silver pair of shoes for the Oscars, which we would not have. And I would literally go to Michael's and buy spray paint and spray the shit out of those shoes to be able to get the right.
1: I love that. You
0: just don't say no. I mean, I don't understand. I I told them, I was like,
1: look, I've got this many followers and I wear this cardigan in every single video. It's signature.
0: It's signature.
1: It's and like every day yeah. I get messages from people saying, where can I buy the card it card again? I want to get it for my husband. I want to get it for myself. I want to get it for my baby. I want to get, you know what I mean? Like it's just nonstop. And then for Halloween, people dressed as me for Halloween these past two Halloweens. They're looking for blue cardigans. So I'm hoping that by this Halloween, I've got something special for people. We'll see.
0: Oh my God, that's amazing. I really hope you do too, because that is a travesty, actually a travesty. Agreed. So I've seen a bunch of your Q&As and I know a lot of people are like, what is your advice for aspiring actors, comedians, aspiring TikTok stars? What would you say is the best thing to start doing immediately tomorrow?
1: Oh, hands down, start writing your own content and putting it out there and performing it and directing it and shooting it and doing the whole thing yourself. Hands down, the number one thing that I tell to anybody, no matter if they're trying to go down the traditional path or the social media path or what have you, that is the way. We've seen plenty of people go from complete obscurity to being repped at WME and CAA and and starring in Netflix movies. And do, you know what I mean? Like sure. we have seen that trajectory uh, several times now. And I think it's just like the most obvious thing to do.
0: I could not agree more. What is a typical day in your life? And specifically, I want to understand And if you're going to tell me like, oh, I just, I just need five minutes. I'm going to be really upset. Like how long, let's just divide content for a second. The dance videos, how long do you practice that dance with your partner? What is her name again? I'm sorry for her name.
1: I am often with Montana Tucker, somebody I dance with. I've done a few with, um, happy Kelly, Kelly Erdman, I've danced with a few people now, so I don't know that I have a partner.
0: Well, I mean, see, it's funny. It's funny. In full transparency, I actually only watch you.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: I love the, how everything's like exactly timed together, but I actually don't pay much attention to who you're with, but how long do you practice for?
1: You're not going to like this answer. It's barely at all. (laughs) barely at all like so like when me and montana do a video right like on hollywood boulevard i'll go to her house like half an hour before she'll have sent me like three or four videos of dances right that are trending on tiktok at that moment and i'll go to her house we'll pick out a couple of them and she's got a nice big mirror and she'll like kind of go through it with me for like 10 minutes and then we walk to Hollywood Boulevard and then I probably screw it up, you know, once, twice, by the third time, boom, got it. And uh maybe we do it once more for safety and that's it.
0: That's insane. I don't understand. Yeah. It would take me like a year, I think.
1: But it's because she's got a dance background. I have a dance background. You got to understand, when I was teaching at Broadway Dance Center, the way I started teaching there is I was uh, an assistant to an amazing teacher named Bev Brown, who is this incredible hip-hop dance teacher, and she's legendary at Broadway Dance Center. And I started in the back of her class and worked my way up, and then I was like her assistant's assistant, and then eventually became her assistant, and then did that for a long time, and then started substituting for her, and then eventually had my own class there she would come a a few minutes early to class and would teach me in the hallway of the studio this dance routine that we would then have to go inside and teach an entire class. So you learn to pick up choreography real quick when you're doing that. And it just becomes like a muscle that, you know, muscle memory. So that all felt very natural for me. And, And that's part of why TikTok was such a perfect platform for me personally, because I was able to take my acting, my comedy, my dancing, you know, uh, my filmmaking and just kind of mash it all up together and create these silly little videos.
0: Speaking of creating narratives um, and combining all your skills, where did the idea of playing your beautiful wife come in? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Your happy, beautiful wife.
1: She's gorgeous. She loves me and I love her. <laughs> um, so it actually was the very next video after the alternative. Woe Challenge. Wow. I came out with that dance. It went very viral. And one of the comments said, <laughs> said, can you imagine his wife watching him from the hallway as he's doing this dance or something, something to that effect. And I was like, I can imagine that. And I know exactly what that would look like. And she would probably just be (laughs) looking (laughs) at me like that. And so, you know, I've got like a little costume drawer, right? Uh, And And so I grabbed a wig and I threw it on and I stood in the doorway and I actually had my actual wife hold the phone and kind of walk up to the doorway with me in here, like doing the dance and then took the phone from her turned it around, and shot into the doorway of me with the wig on, just (laughs) looking through the doorframe. And that's how it started.
0: Oh, my God. And what does your actual wife think of the character?
1: It's her favorite part of anything (laughs) that I do. Like, if the wife's not in it, she couldn't care less. But when the wife's there, it's like an automatic laugh with her.
0: So what's your typical, like, day like? Production wise, are you shooting all day long? Are you shooting in banking or are you just doing it in real time?
1: I would very much love to be one of those creators who like spends all of Sunday, like just shooting a bunch of videos and plotting them out meticulously. But I think the very nature of TikTok does not lend itself to that because these trends come and go so quickly and you kind of just have to you know, be listening really close to know what the conversation is about right now or to know what sounds are trending or to know what dance is trending or to know just like what people are talking about in the comments and things like that. And so I'm a very much like a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy, except when it comes to my branded content, which requires a little bit more of a process. There's a little bit more of a process and a little bit more of uh, a a precursor to production and distribution.
0: Well, that is exactly how we met. And for everyone listening, this is actually hysterical because this has probably only happened to me Saturday (laughs) night. I feel like it was, well, it was earlier for you, but it was like 1130 for me on a Saturday night. I'm like in Warby Parker's DMs and I see this amazing series of stories from Adam Rose, who's like wearing Warby Parker glasses. And I'm like, oh my God, these are amazing. So of course I repost everything. And then we just started talking on DM and I'm like, let's, or you said, let's do something. I'm like, yes, let's do something. And then we did something.
1: It's my favorite like (laughs) use case or whatever you want to call it uh, of all the brand stuff that I've done because it's just the most organic one. I think for me because I obviously I wear Warby Parker glasses in every single one of my videos. Every single Um, one, and it's literally the only place I buy glasses before we ever work together. And so I went and I got a few different pairs of glasses. I've got one right here. One of them is love these.
0: Yeah, those Um, are
1: good. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. I'll do a little try-on session on the stories, and I did that and of course, in the back of my mind, there was something in me that was like, man, I would love to work with Warby Parker in some way. And so when you responded, and we started going back and forth, I was just like, this feels perfect. Not to mention that you came to me with like the most brilliant idea for a video. That <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, first of all, you made my job very easy. And secondly, like, I got to go into a store and take over a store and, and do this just ridiculous video with my wife. And it was so funny and I was so happy with how it came out. Me too. And it was just such a perfect concept. <laughs> I just loved. It. it was just so great. It was um, so fun. So, it really
0: was. Warby yeah. locks and the three pairs. You should check it out on Adam's feed. It's way, way, way down by now. But it was literally so one fun. of my
1: favorite, my favorite pieces of branded content I've ever, ever done. So good.
0: Oh, I love that. It was so funny. <laughs> was okay. So, so you know what else is really funny that you do? So this is why you have so many interesting content buckets, which is, you know, as a social media person in my day job, obviously I admire that. Your Thank horrible you. news segment, which I know yes. people are sending you crazy stories, yeah. but like, <laughs> how did that start?
1: It started with the murder hornets.
0: The mur- started- I-, I actually saw that post that you did. The murder I hornets mean, were,
1: that yeah. was like the beginning of it. it was in 2020. And it was this, just, you know, we were obviously all already dealing with the pandemic. And then this headline came about, I forget even what the headline was, but just the name murder hornets. I was like, what? And so I had already heard that sound being used a few times, this hell no sound. And that immediately popped in my head. And I was like, okay, well, this is like a little, a little cheat sheet for content creators who are really trying to like up the volume. I'm always looking for a series idea, right? An idea for a series of videos that I can do that are easily repeatable and do really well. Uh, low effort, high reward series, right? Good
0: advice. And,
1: and so that was really just a one-off video that I threw out there just to see how it did. And it just did 10 million views and I don't know how many hundred thousand shares or something crazy like that. And I was like, well, I got to make another one. And by the way, I take credit for making murder hornets go viral. Like everyone was talking about murder hornets after my video. Because Adam, your face,
0: your face, your expressions, a lot of the stuff is like Yes, it's horrible news, but it wouldn't even get airtime. But your expressions, all of a sudden you're like, oh, fuck. What? now? what? Like, I get my bad news from you. And I'm like, now what the hell is he telling me? Like, I can't. We're literally all going to die.
1: You would think that the joke would have died by now, which I feel like it kind of, it like died and then was resurrected. Like, it's been so long that it like got unfunny and then funny again, because there's just such a volume of it. But yeah, once one did well, I was like, I got to find another one. And then eventually my inbox is just full of these nightmarish headlines. And when I get the same one a few times from different people, I know, okay, this is one that people are responding to and will share a lot. And yeah, and you know, Fluorona, Fluorona did 12 million views and like 200,000 shares or something crazy like that. Those videos take me five minutes.
0: I feel like you're one of these creators who, maybe this is naive because you have such a big following, but I feel like you're probably someone who doesn't get bad comments. Like, I feel like everyone who watches you is like, loves you. Am I crazy?
1: You're not crazy. So here's, here's like a really interesting thing that I've sort of come to understand Everyone I know deals with hate comments. Everyone I know has some haters in their comment section just commenting on their looks or they're not funny or whatever it is. And I have somehow found a way to avoid that. And I think the way to avoid it is to not, play yourself. I am not Adam Rose on TikTok. I'm Blue Cardigan Guy. And people are able to separate me from Blue Cardigan Guy. And so what are you going to like talk shit about Blue Cardigan Guy like he's a cartoon character. Like you can't like what it's like talking shit about Scooby Doo or something. Like you can't really hate on the guy Cause he's a cartoon and there's so much self-deprecation already. And I'm obviously not trying to like, look amazing all the time and like show how sexy I am. And like, you know what I mean? Like there is none of that going on. And so people don't have anything to be like, well, no, you're not.
0: Or like, you're not it's actually. That's a very insightful, insightful and comment.
1: So, yeah. And so like, I, just have been able to avoid hate comments i really like if you go through my comments every once in a while you'll get someone be like i'm sick of this guy's cardigan or whatever (laughs) but that's like it that's basically well i
0: think there should be some award for this because that is not normal i mean it's just not normal
1: it is a very fortunate situation I found myself in, for sure.
0: Well, let's keep it going. We'll knock on wood because that's very <laughs> yeah, special.
1: right. As soon as this airs, I'm gonna have well, a bunch I, of people I just like oh, say, I'll give you some hate
0: comments. No, I listen. I have really fabulous listeners, so you're not gonna get any oh, hate comments from my listeners. I promise.
1: Okay. Good. Okay. Good.
0: What is a project that you are? excited about or dying to do, or you want to manifest, or you're like thinking, maybe I'm going to do this thing.
1: Oh man. Now we're talking, right? Like this is where my head is for much of the day. Um, I have a show in development right now that I'm set to star in and Right and direct, and I shot a little presentation for it, and we got it set up at a production company. and so Woohoo! we're in that process right now. I'm very excited about that. And then I envision many things happening with Blue Cardigan Guy. I love Mr. Bean, I love Charlie Chaplin, I love Pee-wee Herman. I love these kinds of characters. And I want to see a TV show and potentially a string of movies with the blue cardigan guy and his various adventures.
0: I want to see that too. And it's funny. And I know why you didn't mention him, but like the most obvious reference would be Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers neighborhood because of his cardigan. Yes.
1: Of course. I mean, listen, I love Mr. Rogers, but Mr. Rogers is so educational that I, I feel weird comparing myself. to him. I
0: totally agree. I know that's why I said, I know why you didn't reference him, but I just wanted to yeah, make the cardigan connection.
1: No doubt. And I, the things that I feel like I share with Mr. Rogers are a sense of wholesomeness and good feelings. You know what I mean? Yeah, like totally. I, it's feel good, but I think the same about, Mr. Bean and I think the same about Pee Wee Herman and Charlie Chaplin, obviously, Buster Keaton back there. I, I love these kinds of characters. And I sort of fell into this place where I've become, you know, a, a character of that sort. And I I could see many things happening with this character and and I foresee that
0: happening. I foresee it too. So my last question is always, how do you want to leave your yeah. mark?
1: Oh man, like right now or no, in like
0: in life, like <laughs> in life, <laughs> yeah, in life, you know, if people remember you in 30 years and 40 years, what do you want them to think about Adam Rose?
1: Oh man, I hope people think that I was nice, <laughs> I hope people think that I made them feel good i hope my son is the best mark that i could leave and that he is everything i I know he will be and and yeah that's all i can hope for
0: that is a great answer. Adam, I'm so glad we did this. You're amazing. I love watching you, like I said, and not like in a stalker way, but sort of a little bit stalkerish, but in the best possible way.
1: I love watching you too. Yeah, it's okay. So we follow each other. We're mutuals.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Leave Your Mark, the podcast. If you want more career advice, be sure to pick up a copy of my bestselling book, Leave Your Mark. If you're on Instagram, make sure to follow at Leave Your Mark Podcast to stay up with the latest episodes. And of course, say hi to me at AlizalichtXO. If you're on Twitter, definitely reach out at Alizalicht. I would love to hear from you. If you want to subscribe to my newsletter or attend a future virtual mentoring event, go to alizalicht.com for more information. And just remember this, if change doesn't hurt a little, it's not change. Keep on rocking.